Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of 747 Conversations. It's your host, Chris Shembra, broadcasting or recording from beautiful New York City. We are honored to have you join for another episode of this podcast. Today, we're talking gratitude, empathy, compassion, leadership with one of the great advisors in the small business ecosystem. Today, we have Casey Clark, who's co-founder and CEO of a two-time Inc. 5000 company, Cultivate Advisors. They are a wonderful firm helping passionate entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve financially rewarding businesses that grow and thrive, right? How do you take a small business owner and not just have them work within their company, but work on their company? How do you have them own it, not just run it? I mean, Casey's Cultivate Advisors, each one of their advisors, what's really unique is that they've each run their own small businesses. They'll work with over a thousand small business owners this year, working with some of the fastest growing founders in the planet. Uh, they've really got a really unique model and I'll let him kind of get into it in a little bit, but you know, us small business owners, we get stuck in our head on such a frequent basis. And that's actually how Casey and his co-founder met, um, in a a period of challenging time in their previous franchise. We're going to hear that story in just a sec, but let's welcome to the podcast, Mr. Casey Clark. Hey, Chris, thanks for having me. Now, Casey, you're, you're a true um, kind of rags, rags to riches story. And I'm not just talking about how you grew up, but your initial uh, kind of uh, endeavors as your own franchisee um, yeah. multiple times. You've, you've done everything from running around town with $10 in the bank account to emotionally exposing yourself to a potential client and so much more. <laughs> but you've made it. You guys are yeah. on pace to well surpass over $10 million in annual revenue this year. And Really, the, you haven't even begun. That's the cool thing about this conversation. But the first question that I have to start off with for this podcast is the same question that we start off every podcast or virtual gratitude experience we produce. But what's even more timely is that at your annual conference, your Catapult conference just last week, you ended the summit, you ended the conference asking your attendees, your 500 attendees, what they're grateful for. Well, I I answer, I ask you the polar opposite. Casey, if you could give credit or thanks to one person in your life that you've never given enough credit or thanks to, that you've never thought to thank, Mm, who would that be? I mean, I, I know your father, who's unfortunately no longer with us, is such a great part of, your story is such a great part of his legacy and you talk about him so much and the start he gave you in this in this world, but who have you never thought to thank? Hmm. Can I give you two? Sure. All right. First one I want to thank, and I haven't I haven't actually given formal credit to this person as my grandfather. Hmm. That would be one person. Uh, he's the one that actually made me believe entrepreneurship was possible because he ran his own small business. The second person, though, that I I think a lot about sometimes, his name is Jim Sober. I have not talked to Jim Sober for 20 plus years. 
he was a gentleman that I grew up with at church. I, I met him at church as I was growing up. And uh, when I was uh, 14 years old, uh, I was trying to figure out a way to buy a bike. And he offered me a job. And he took a big, he actually got fined because I worked, he, had, he owned a dry cleaning company called Norman's Cleaners. I don't think it's no longer in existence. It was out of Decatur, Illinois. And uh, he not only just gave me a job, but I used to take the bus from high school, get to the, get to the cleaners. And then he would give me the key and I would run the store and close it and wrap it up. I mean, I'm a really young guy. He put a lot of faith and a lot of trust in me at that time. And I owe him a lot of credit because honestly, I think that built a lot of confidence. I was you know, running a store. I, I took on that responsibility and I think I jumped quickly at my age and put me in a position where I started thinking about my career. And it, it's, it's landed myself to this point at this take. And I, I think about that a lot and I've never actually had a chance to formally give him my gratitude. Oh man. I mean, Jim Sober. Jim Silver, I don't, I couldn't even tell you where he lives now. <laughs> I have no idea, but I I got to give a big gratitude to him. I mean, you you're a guy who worked at a very young age on you know your your father's paper route mm-hmm. at, as a very young kid, but then this guy has given you an opportunity to prove yourself. Was he the only small business indicator Illinois that wanted to give you a shot or needed your services? Like what, or did you pick him over other opportunities? Tell me about that start of that relationship. Well, I got to think back and try to remember it. It was quite a while ago. <laughs> you know, I, I think when I, when I first, if I remember how this, how it went, it was, it was more of a setup of, um, me saying I needed money for something in a conversation at church and he overheard it. And if I remember the story, right, he's like, I will give you a job. I will help you. You can go earn the money and then you can go buy those things. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I was complaining to my father about not being able to buy something I wanted to buy. Um, you know, so I, I think that that's actually where the story came from. So I hadn't explored anywhere. Obviously I wasn't out looking for jobs at that age. Um, but he, he kind of inspired me to say, well, you know, why don't you start? And I think um, most people, when they start a job, right, they're they're doing, you know, some main mundane task. But I was I was counting the register, I was closing the store, I was going through all these different elements, um, learning about money, and you know, as a fourteen to fifteen year old going through that, and I think that that sets you up a little differently. Totally. Now, I just want to ask you about money for a sec because you are a guy who dedicates his life to impact. You are a guy whose um, vision is on how many people you can serve, not on how much money you can make. My question is, there's a little bit of a disconnect in being a kid who is driven by what can I buy next? (laughs) When did that shift occur? That's a great question. if I was to put a, a timeline to it, I, when I got into the franchising world and I started running this business, I was just 
well, I had no idea what the heck I was doing. <laughs> That's what it was. And it was a lot of fail forward, you know, and just never get down and fail forward, fail forward. And I was chasing success. And I remember my first year, I ran this business and I just wanted to have so much revenue. I wanted to be the best. And then I got done with my first year franchise and I had made no money. Zero. <laughs> I realized I was still super happy. I was frustrated, but I was still happy with my experience. I was still happy that I had done that. And, and the next year I was very profitable, but I, I started realizing that the value and actually how I could make more money and how I actually both happened. You gave me a lot of credit there to say, I'm never looking at the profit. I, I think businesses have to be looking at profit. <laughs> I already said that I was just cringing a little bit. I'm like, I don't know if that's totally true about me, although I like the sentiment of it. But what I think I actually learned, if I could reshape what you just said there, Chris, is what I learned was that by investing and in developing others and putting impact out to help business owners take back control of their lives, help them teach them how to develop their teams, I became extremely obsessed with that and learning the skill and the art of, of teaching and, and you know passing knowledge along. And, and I guess it, it, it made me happy along the way, but more importantly, it helped create more success. Therefore, creating the opportunity for me to also still make more money. Um, and it's, I think it's rare when you, when you find your passion matches up with a way to create profit from that passion, but do it in a way where everyone's winning. Um, mm-hmm. That's super exciting. Passion, profit, starting your own thing is from a macroeconomic perspective, is that a is that something that everybody should wish for? Is it for a select few? What do you say to the millions of people out there that say, "I wish I could quit to my nine to five and and pursue a life of passion? Is it really all that it's cracked up to be? Should people <laughs> want that? Boy. In my mind, yes, <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, but we're crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're crazy. I was just going to say not, not everybody has that entrepreneurial DNA. Um, I think people are always chasing their passion. I think everybody's trying to find what is it, but there's also ways to be entrepreneurial in your job. There's other ways to be entrepreneurial or, or to, to follow your passions outside of a career. Right. So let's be, let's be clear on that. But for those that are thinking about the entrepreneurial piece, that's where I have a lot of experience in terms of how to take their passion into that world. You know, my biggest, my biggest advice is start now, not later. Like I, I always, I always meet owners, people that are thinking about becoming an owner. And I, I've, you know, we get a lot of people that come across our world and oh, I haven't started the business yet. I'm still working here full time. I'm thinking about making the jump. And it's like, what are you waiting for? Because every single entrepreneur who's done it, has always said, I wish I did it earlier because you're going to go through the learning curves. You're going to go through these different elements. So the faster you can do it, do it. Now, I know there can be a financial implication of life and being able to survive and all that. That's important to, to keep an eye on. But if you have the ability to take that risk and take that plunge, have the confidence in yourself and go for it because every entrepreneur I've ever met, the answer has always been, I wish I would have done it earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, I, my dear friend Robert Glazer talks about potential a lot. You know, he, he, he talks about, you know, living a life where you don't have any regrets of, you know, where, where would I not want to be or where would I not want to be told I had potential in my business? 
Where would I not be told I had potential in my family and personal life? Where would I be really upset to hear that I had potential to be X, Y, Z? Now, life threw you a hard lesson early in your entrepreneurial journey. Which one? True. <laughs> uh, it was when you had started Clean Cut and the mm-hmm. business was just starting to take off mm-hmm. and your father had a fatal heart attack. Yeah. It was two months later when you decided to take out a loan to scale cultivated advisors. Why did that need to happen then? What was that wake up moment? Yeah, there's a little backstory to it, but you know, we, I had been exploring, I started this business with my father. He, he had worked and his, what he would say, he worked for the man his whole life and kept pushing into me growing up, be the man, don't be the one that works for the man. Now he had a, he had a different view from his perspective than I have now that it's a more of a collaborative element. But when, when he passed after we built that business for, for two years, you know, one of the things that was, was very difficult about that is that in some capacity, my fear is that he was stressed about the business. Although he was enjoying it and loving it, my fear is that he was stressed about the business. And that's actually one of the things that potentially even led to causing this out of nowhere heart attack. So if you can imagine, I, I said, hey, look, I've had success running a business. Let me show you how to do this. He goes off and does it. He's having fun. We're really getting it off the ground in addition to my other business here. And then that happens. At that same time, while that's happening, I was having conversations with my co-founder about saying, hey, I think it's time we scale this thing. I, I think there could be an option to do this. We were back and forth, back and forth. We kept putting it off, said, no, we'll just keep bootstrapping. We'll keep bootstrapping. We're not going to take on all that risk to really create the scale. And I think when it happened, it was just a trigger went off in me where I, I all of a sudden, passion just hit me and said, well, if, what the heck am I doing waiting like I got to go do it now. Life could get cut short tomorrow. And I, I definitely, since that moment, I've heard a lot of people talk about this when somebody really close to them passes away. And I've, I had experienced death before, but of, of, you know, family members and what, but not my father's death really hit me hard, really hard. That was, that was definitely the hardest hitting thing I've had. And it, it opened my eyes very quickly to go, nope, it's not significant enough. I'm not doing it. And I think my priorities just locked in step and said, I'm going to go create the legacy I know he'd be proud of. And I'm super grateful I've been able to do that so far. And I've I've got a lot more I want to go prove to him transparently. What do you think he'd be most proud of in your life right now today? How much I'm taking care of my mom. Although I, I would love to say the business. I think right now he'd be really proud of the relationship I've built with my mother um, because of this you know, just, just because of these last few years that have been pretty hard. I think if I had to pick a, a close second, I then I think he'd be he'd be very proud of the relationships that have been built within my team and the accomplishments me and my team have have uh mm-hmm. have kind of overcome. What's your mother's love language? Ooh, good question. Um I'm gonna guess. I have not had this conversation with her, but now I will because you brought this up. <laughs> I I would assume it's words of affirmation or gifts. It's one of those two. Close. Hmm. It'd, be, it'd be a close tie between the two of them. Well, I look forward to hearing 
I'll follow up with you on that one. <laughs> I, I look forward. And, and if her thing is words of affirmation, then one thing I would challenge is you go out and uh, make a video uh, getting uh, well, actually my friend Andrew Horn uh, has a group called We Tribute or Tribute.co. And he's helped hundreds of thousands of people make meaningful uh, like birthday tributes, wedding tributes, those kind of things. So I look forward to hearing uh, what you create for your mom for her affirmations. You know, it's, um, I want to go back a step. You had, let me frame what I'm about to say. I, we, our company, dedicate our entire existence to gratitude. And in helping people be more grateful, uh, we have to acknowledge that, yes, you could be grateful for good things that happen in your life that are positive memories, but you can also be grateful for the positive consequences that have occurred from a negative autobiographical mm. moment from your past. And the grateful processing of that open, unpleasant memory helps destigmatize the negative emotion and gives way to build more durable personal resources like hope, self-confidence, optimism, pride. You, with your father's passing, helped catapult you into a new level of passion, legacy, purpose, impact. And for that, I can find gratitude because of the impact you've been able to scale. Mm. Now, you work with literally thousands of small business owners on a yearly basis, advising them on how to have bigger impact with their companies. How do you inspire an entrepreneur to know that now is the time to take that next big risk to join cultivated advisors without them having gone through some kind of traumatic life experience that makes them realize that this is the time to strike? I'll back it up. I, I don't know if it even has to be you have to take steps with Cultivate. I, I, I would love that to be the case. Mm-hmm. But, but I'll answer the more specific part of how do they know when the iron's you know, the right time to strike. Here's what I find, and, and this is a bit technical, and I, I, I apologize. I'll go more technical than the, the feeling side of the, of the, the brain these, at this one. <laughs> but when a business is set up with a widget, that is structured to scale. The way that you know you're ready to scale is actually when you've worked yourself out of a job. That's how you know. And so when you're when you're thinking about your passion or when you're thinking about your energy, and if you're ever finding yourself starting to feel maybe a little down in that passion or down energy from where you were high, because what I find is no one starts a business without a ton of passion energy. You just got to be a crazy person to say, I don't want to get paid and I want to see if I can get you know, rolled over a million times, unless you have passengers. So I have to already assume this person had that. And it's like going to the next level is if you're feeling a little lower energy and actually a little down, the best way to actually kickstart that, in my opinion, is to actually work yourself out of the job, go hire your next person and go force yourself to go learn the next job. Because I've always looked at entrepreneurship as, you know, as a CEO, you know, there's two different types of CEO. There's a CEO of the big, large corporations. Great. That's a completely different skill than a startup CEO. A startup CEO, our titles change every week. We're literally every month. We're changing jobs 
constantly going and figuring out the next aspect, the next role, and then handing it off to somebody else, finding the next aspect, learning the role, handing it off to somebody else. And so I think people get scared or they get, they get nervous. They don't take that jump and that plunge. So if you're feeling that way and you're trying to get to the next step, my biggest piece of advice would be to slow down and work yourself out of that, whatever the task you're doing, find someone else who can do it. And then all of a sudden you'll have all this space and that will allow you the time to go, what am I going to go put my passion on to get to the next level of growth? And yes, I believe Cultivate or a different advisor or coach could help you identify that. But that would be my initial perspective. So my question to you after saying that is, what's the next thing that you're going to fire yourself from? <laughs> well, I've overseen the financials of our company <laughs> for the last since we started, um, and I'm actually in the process of handing off the financials. That is about two days of my world right now, which I'm I'm pretty excited about. Um, and one of the things I'm really excited about to do is start to doing a little bit more speaking and, and getting out a little bit more than I am. I'm I'm the guy that I like to get behind the computer and create the strategy, put the engineering together. But I'm realizing I've got a pretty talented team that knows how to do that. They don't necessarily always need me for that anymore. So that is that is one thing I'm very excited about is to shift away from a bit of behind the computer approach. It's a bit more, I guess it'll still be behind the computer uh, with everything going on in the world today. Um, but it'll be a bit more about the relationship side of the business versus the technical mm -hmm. and the, you know, the nuts and bolts of the building of the business. Yeah, it's such an important thing for you to say because you at Cultivate, and you've said it yourself in your, uh, I think your intro video, uh, or kind of the founding story video, is that, you know, Cultivate is a community of people getting support from each other on top of getting support from your expert advisors. How important is community and relationships to everything that Cultivate does? Well, I mean, we just had that conference catapult last, that's our annual conference last week. Mm -hmm. And on the platform we chose, there was a, you know, speed networking aspect where all the entrepreneurs could continue to meet each other during these networking breaks. And, um, you know, when sitting out the survey, just after say, hey, what'd you like at the conference? We spent tons of money on all kinds of great speakers. And don't get me wrong, a lot of great learning, a lot of great value. Number one answer though, was that networking was awesome the chance to engage in those relationships and just know I'm not alone. Know that I'm not on this silo as a business owner. As business owners, right? Everybody complains up to us. It's all on us. And then you're looking out in the world and thinking maybe your business is the only one struggling. It's not. Like Especially now with everything going on in 2020 and this crazy up and down roller coaster, now's the time to be a part of a really killer you know, community of small businesses, if that be with Cultivate or you know, someone else. But that's, I think that's super important for Cultivate in terms of our success and why we've been able to survive is that we, we didn't just take just the community. We, we, we took the community, we added it to the one-on-one -on -one advising. And that's by bringing those together, that's what kind of makes it the full package. You know, it's, it's, it's oh, building a relationship, uh, relationship building consultancy as we have. That's very refreshing to hear, but it's, you know, it's so interesting because, uh, you know, when advising a startup founder or a, or a CEO, most people will talk about go-to-market strategy and, uh, you know, hacking the financials and hiring and yeah. all these kind of things. But, but you really gave people an opportunity to connect and to really take care of, tell me how big of a problem we're facing 
as an ecosystem today, mental and emotional well-being. How how big is that, and how do you guys work on that? I mean, it is it is no doubt the the ups and downs that kind of take on not, not only just the owners, but even the employees and the staff. Right? It's in our world. I'll, I'll just speak to us because that's what I can refer. That's what I'm used to now. I mean, we're on we're on Zoom or video calls seven hours a day. I mean, it is a mental burnout. Nonstop, no human interaction, uh, and the work that we do is, you know, a lot of times it's it's really challenging and playing devil's advocate and really fighting through something to find that end goal. And when you keep doing that over and over and over again on a screen, it can sometimes become a bit more transactional, um, you know, versus when you get that in person and that connection and that kind of that sphere that comes off, uh, you know, around you that kind of brings you in and, and helps, you know, that human interaction. So. I do think that's a reality. One of the things that we've been really focused on with with our advisors is we've had a couple uh, mental health days that we've taken for our staff. We've encouraged our mm. clients to do things like that. Uh, we're very conscious about the types of socials or environments. I know you guys have a phenomenal uh, offering to bring teams together. You know, those are the kinds of things that that really matter right now in today's world. Um, and it's it's about still trying your very best to bring those human interactions together. I mean, we've had some park meetups regionally. You know, t- we have teams throughout U.S. and Canada, but we've had park meetups where people meet up with blankets at parks and engage in conversations as teams. Like we've done some pretty unique things. And I think the point is get creative and 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 realize that the world is different and it's going to stay different for quite a little while now. It's uh, you know, it's a it's an interesting challenge that we have ahead from us. But if you learn the strategies that you at Cultivate and taking care of your team and advising these entrepreneurs and obviously what we've been doing at 747, you can actually find connection virtually. Oh, yeah. It's, it's possible. It's actually doable. Absolutely. That's the crazy thing. Um, well, starting to kind of wind down you know, our conversation, um, you guys are obviously on a on a hot growth streak, what, what is next for cultivate advisors? Right now we're, we're, we're in this, you know, we've got these five stages of, of business growth. If you want to learn about them, mm-hmm. you know, go check mm-hmm. them out on our website at cultivateadvisors.com. And so for us, we're in the systemizer phase right now. And you'll, you'll learn what that stage is if you go to the site, but the short version is that means we're, we're putting our leadership team together. We are establishing um, you know, our systems and automating things so we can really go for a large scale. So our big objectives for the next four to five years is to really turn into the largest advisory firm, uh, you know, throughout the United States and Canada. And we absolutely believe we can achieve that objective um, you know, over the next few years. So um, it's what, wide open. What does There's, that look like? <laughs> in terms of growth? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'll, it'll, it'll pretty much require uh, about a 60 to 80% year over year growth uh, consistently. Um, mm. and, and, and although some, some small business owners may hear that and go, I can do that. Yeah. Well <laughs> do that at scale. It gets, it gets harder and harder and harder, obviously to maintain that. Uh, especially the thing about our business is we're not, we're not scaling a SaaS product here. We're, we're scaling people. Yeah. Right. Yep. And that's, that, that requires immense amount of leadership. Um, and it's, um, so that's, that's what we're doing. We're, we're trying to, to develop and build our team to become some of the best leaders we possibly can as we open up the doors to, to get to that next level. I mean, what, what is the, and I, I preface this question by saying, you know, before this, we were talking about one of the speakers that you brought into your conference had, yeah. um, you know, had, had built a consulting firm and 
had a good exit from it. But again, a consulting firm is a traditionally a time for dollar model, just like an advisory firm. Sure. What What is the the long term goal for Cultivate? <laughs> like, do you want to Do you want to hand this off? Do you want to replace yourself as CEO and sail off into the sunset and build something new, or yeah. you want to sell this thing, or what's going on? Yeah, I think I think we'll probably find some future partners that'll help us, you know, take on the financial constraints we have to to get through the scale. So that I would call that first initial exit. Um, the the second exit, I don't know if I'll fully ever want to take off fully, but I definitely see someone else stepping up and taking over the CEO role. I believe everyone should should move on and keep to their their strengths. And and my strength personally, um, I like building businesses. And when this thing gets, you know quite a bit bigger in the next few years. I'll enjoy the build. But then at that point, uh, I, w- I think it'll be better hands that somebody else actually takes it. And I imagine somebody on our team is actually what I think will happen. It'll, somebody will step up and take that on and it'll allow me to keep my passion. My passion is I love building. I love building businesses and I'll, I'll get to go back and start that. And I'll probably figure out a way to bolt it on a cultivator, you know, so- something like that. Cause I-, I do love the impact. I love what we do every day. Awesome. And last question, if, okay. I mean, <laughs> there is a way of getting this message to him, but if Jim Sober was with us here today, what would you say to him? I'd say, Jim, thanks for, uh, thanks for uh, being my first boss and giving me the most autonomy that you should ever give a 14 or 15-year-old. Uh, and that uh, although in your mind I may have been solving a problem and you were helping a kid from church, you you gave me the confidence to realize that I could I could thrive in my career, and I think that gave me all the confidence I needed to jumpstart myself to say, "He's running a business. Why can't I?" Hmm. <laughs> wow. We all need those mentors, those visions that, of people we can be, but. But always know that we live in the great Western disease of I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when, I'll be happy when. And your your own success is determined by your own individual potential, not based on the success of others. Uh, Casey, any any comments in closing? I'd just say, Chris, thanks for having me. And um, for all the entrepreneurs that are listening, I know there's entrepreneurs and a bunch of other types of folks joining in. But for entrepreneurs who are listening in, just remember, it's... At the end of the day, a business is just a product of yourself, and that's that you get other people to follow you to that same pursuit. So yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah. You know, Simon, Sim- Simon Sinek in his TED Talk talks about how Dr. Martin Luther King got hundreds of thousands of people to show up on the National Mall in the 1960s to hear him speak, not because he talked about his what? Or his right. how. He didn't give the I have a plan speech. He gave the I have a dream yeah, speech. Why. His why. And that's what Cultivate Advisors is about. And if that's, if that is what you relate to, anything that Casey said today, please reach out to him. Find him at cultivatedvisors.com. Find him on LinkedIn. All those links will be in the bio below. But Casey, this has been such a great conversation because these these folks that are listening, you know, I, I hope you really took it to heart that um you can you can follow your passion, you can set a purpose, you can still have your eye on the bottom line, and you'll ultimately be able to scale 
you know, something that has an impact, um, as, as him and, and his entire team have done. So thanks for listening. Keep tuning in. Please hit that subscribe button, that like button, those vanity metrics buttons, but keep tuned as we keep interviewing, uh, some of the world's great founders on the human side of their success. This has been Chris Shembra. I hope y'all are having a phenomenal day on earth. Remember folks, it's your world. Go explore. We'll see you either at the next podcast episode or our next community dinner on Tuesday, November 24th. If you have people out there that are lonely, hungry, and feeling overwhelmed or unfulfilled, reach out, connect them to us. We'd love to have them as your guest. Um, Have a great day on earth, folks. Talk to you soon. Thank you.